Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about the power of mental health. Today's guest is Julie Johnson. Julie Johnson is a licensed mental health counselor and a nationally certified counselor and the founder and president of Heart and Solutions, LLC, a strength-based counseling agency located in Iowa. She is currently pursuing her doctorate in behavioral health leadership so that she can utilize qualitative research to revolutionize the mental health care field. Julie is the author of the children's book, Breathing Through the Year, A Child's Guide to Holiday-Themed Breathing Techniques. Julie additionally founded a 510c3 nonprofit organization, DV Pet Solutions, on a mission to raise money to temporarily house pets displaced by domestic violence. Julie, welcome to the show. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So just for the listeners and for us to, to learn a little more about you, how did you get to uh, not only founding Heart and Solutions, but just being a mental health counselor? Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, my undergrad is actually in criminal justice. Wow. And so I was studying because I wanted to be an attorney um, and I wanted to work within the criminal justice system. And so a few of the requirements for that degree were that I had to take a sociology class and I had to take an intro psychology class. And I just loved those classes so much. Those were kind of the first classes that really got me interested in wanting to do the reading for the class. I was reading ahead. I noticed I was doing the assignments early. Um, and so I just realized that that was really the side of the fence I wanted to be on and that I wanted to put my energy into. As I was studying criminal justice, I realized that there are kind of two sides of the criminal justice spectrum. There's rehabilitation um, and, you know, helping people to uh, sort out the, the challenges that they're having in their lives and uh, promoting growth as people. And then there's the other side, which is um, punishment and penalty. And uh, as I was studying those two forms, I kind of realized that the rehabilitation side was really the side that I wanted to focus my energy on. Okay. So from there, you went ahead and you found you shadowed or you took a couple more classes and then it led you down to the mental health side? Yeah. So in 2008, I moved from Massachusetts to Iowa uh, and I started looking at programs for my getting my master's in mental health counseling. Um, so I went through that program, three-year program there, um, and started out as an in-home behavioral health worker. So I did, uh, I had my, I had just graduated with my master's in mental health counseling, um, but I could not find a job in mental health counseling. And so uh, I applied for a, a bachelor's level in-home behavioral health counselor job. Uh, so I did that evenings and weekends, and I bartended uh, also evenings and weekends, um, mm -hmm. but also on the weekday or yeah, on the weekdays, um, I would do bartending at the same time to kind of uh, compensate that. And then uh, slowly, I was able to apply for a position as a therapist within that company, um, and then. I worked my way up to being vice president at that company. 
and so I was really able to learn a lot about how a mental health organization operates and uh, and how things kind of structurally uh, are formed within the agency and uh, how the the politics of of that state um, or of the nation as a whole really impact the way that people have access to mental health care. And, uh, and so what I did find, though, is that there was a lot of burnout uh, in our field and, uh, and within the area where I was working. And so uh, in 2014, I decided that it was time to start my own agency. Um, I decided that, you know, I knew what kind of place I wanted to work. And that was a place that really focused on uh, everybody having the opportunities to professionally grow um, as clinicians, but also as people. Uh, and then also just to have an organization with with a lot of structure, but structured uh, options. So we really focus a lot on um, clients having structured options so that they have a lot of autonomy and choice in how they get their services. Um, and then the same thing for our providers. Um, and that's really just a very intentional way to try to limit burnout in this field and try to keep good providers in this field for as long as possible. Wow. So from I know you said 2014, but then I was reading that you have seven locations for, from 2014 to now. You guys have been putting a, a move on. We have been. Um, it's been a really it's been a very, very fast uh, six years, I feel like. And um, but we, we've done a lot in that time. And in Iowa, we've got a lot of we've got kind of the bigger cities, but then there are a lot of these rural communities where a lot of people live, um, but they might be 30, 40, 50 miles from a mental health therapist. So right. uh, we decided that there were there was an opportunity there to be of service to people who you know, couldn't, it's a lot to get into the car every week and drive 30 or 40 miles uh, and have your hour long session and come back, especially because uh, a lot of therapy agencies are open, you know, from nine to five or kind of more um, of those standard daytime hours. And so mm-hmm. there were a lot of people who couldn't miss work to go to those appointments. And so they were just missing out on counseling. So what we decided to do is to put offices in those areas where there was very limited access to mental health care uh, to be able to expand people's options um, and give them some more flexibility. Um, We also decided to network with some schools. And so we've put some therapists and some behavioral health counselors within some school districts as well. And that really limits the barrier that a lot of children have um, of transportation scheduling for the entire family to try to get one child to therapy becomes a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also there are a lot of children who really do want to participate in counseling, um, but maybe their parents um, have kind of a different thought process on it or think that it might, um, it might be detrimental to them in some way because there is still some stigma happening with mental health care and there is a lot of secrecy sometimes with it. Uh, And so being in the school kind of allows those students to have the opportunity to have counseling that they might not otherwise have. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, thank you very much for, you know, it's already hard to <laughs> to manage one location and one team. You're talking about seven locations, you know, even if you just have one uh, practitioner in each one, that's still, you know, that's still a lot of work. So, uh, thank you very much for, you know, trying to reduce the friction and improve uh, the availability for, you know, for people that are looking for that type of help. Um, yeah, so thank you very much. I just, yeah, I saw seven locations. I was like, wow, that's uh, that's a lot of work in your hands. So that's great. Uh, my, my first, one of my first questions I want to ask is what is mental health therapy? What is mental health therapy? Mental health therapy, so... Uh, I'll I'll take you on a little tangent here. So we love tangents um, here. Yeah, <laughs> the way that I look at mental health therapy. Okay, so the first kind of of budgeting I ever did in my life um, was fight. What what most people think about as budgeting is financial budgeting. Um, right. So when you say to somebody, you know, hey, I'm doing a budget. Most people don't have to say I'm doing a money budget or I'm doing a financial budget. They just say I'm doing a budget and people mm -hmm. automatically go to finance. Um, so that was the first kind of budget I ever did in my life was financial budgeting. Um, but moving forward after that, uh, I started to really seriously look into two different kinds of budgeting as well. So the first one is time budgeting. Um, time is the most valuable resource that we have because you can't get it from anybody else. You can't, Absolutely. uh, nobody can gift it to you. Um, and once it's gone, it's gone and you can't save it up or store it up for later. Uh, so time budgeting is just so important to me, um, in my personal life and in my business life. Uh, and then energy budgeting is the second one. Energy budgeting is so important. And, uh, and it's, it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes to realize and accept that, you know, I'm a human being. And so I've got 24 hours in a day and I've got seven days in a week and I've got 12 months in a year and that's it. That's all I've got. Um, and so the budget really, really helps me to, in the same way that a financial budget, you know, I say, okay, this is how much I make a week. That's how much I get to spend. Uh, and the same is true with a time budget. So we can talk about that a little bit later if you want, but time and energy budgets are a really important concept to me. And what mental health therapy is to me is a designated spot in my time budget every week. So I have a mental health counselor. Um, I adore her. She is wonderful. And she really, really helps me a lot in my life and pursue my goals and make my achievements that I want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And so for two hours a week, I talk to her. That two hours for me is time that is protected. That is protected time to do the things that I need to do to think the things that I need to think, to say the things that I need to to say, um, and sometimes to hear the things that I need to hear. Um, and even if that's just hearing myself say things that I need to hear, right, uh, right. saying those out loud, or if it's mm -hmm. you know my therapist reflecting something back to me, and then I hear it for the first time outside of my head. Um, therapy is that budgeted time every week that is protected time. Um, and it's also protected, uh, 
energy time. So it's so easy in our week to have so many thoughts going through our head every single day and have so many tasks that we need to get done in a day or in a week that there really, a lot of times there isn't really breathing room in between for us to think the things we need to think and say the things that we need to say um, or explore the ideas that we need to explore. And so to me, that's what therapy is. It is a, um, it is a, so you think about different kinds of mirrors, right? There's, um, there's Mm -hmm. Funhouse mirrors that make you look like six feet tall and, you know, and then there are these, these other ones that make you look two feet tall. Um, and uh, if you're familiar with the concept of friendly mirrors, friendly mirrors are the mirrors that they put in dressing rooms. So the lighting is really nice and great. And, um, you know, everybody looks great in all the outfits right. you try on. You get them home, they look totally different. Um, and to me, therapy is a friendly mirror because in order for me to look in that mirror, I need it to be a friendly mirror, okay? And that doesn't mean that the mirror is like lying to me, right? But it just means that when I um, when I say something in the presence of that mirror, when I give an output, it's reflected back to me in an understanding way and in a kind way. Um, and in an exploratory way, um, whereas there are certain mirrors that are unfriendly mirrors and, uh, and we might try to do some, you know, say the things we need to say or think the things we need to think with our typical support system. So our family or our friends, but that's not always guaranteed to be a friendly mirror. Um, and while a friendly mirror, a counseling session it's still a mirror, right? So it's right. not going to lie to me if there are things that, you know, need to be challenged. That mirror is still going to challenge that, but it is a friendly mirror. So uh, that's what therapy is to me. It is protected time in my time budget to uh, to be around a friendly mirror and think the things I need to think and say the things that I need to say. I like that. I like that the way your your analogy of budgeting, right? For sure, you said budget automatically. I thought about bills and savings and all that other stuff. But then it's very important to think about, like what you mentioned, time budgeting, right? I, I I've always said this, and forever I will is the greatest currency we will ever have is time, right? Mm-hmm. That is like when somebody can give you your time, uh, or give you time, their time, whatever it is. That is probably the most like that's it's very hard to find anything that's more of value than that um and then you mentioned energy budgeting right energy a lot of times we think about ourselves as especially nowadays um you know with everything just so fast-paced kind of go 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 especially here in miami you know pretty much in any city um you feel yourself always looking for the next thing what do i have to do you know my to-do list or my task list kind of like you mentioned uh, and that time budgeting, like you mentioned, is 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 sacred, right? Understanding how much time you have in a day and using that wisely, uh, but also using that for yourself. And like you mentioned, using that time, whether to seek help, uh, whether whatever situations you may be or challenges you may be dealing with, uh, but also understanding the energy, right? Understanding where you are uh, basically putting in those energies in, and are they, is it a positive way? Is it a negative way? So I really like how you use that budgeting uh, analogy to be able to explain that. So that was awesome. 
the other the other one was the that I saw was budget health into or sorry budget behavior health intervention. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so behavioral health intervention counseling is a service that we provide at Heart and Solutions. It is for children ages four to eighteen, and it is basically practice for those skills that everybody expects us to have in order to be successful in life, but nobody teaches us. So um, an example is uh, communication skills. Nobody teaches us communication skills. We go to school and we learn math and science and geography, but we don't learn how to communicate with other people effectively and efficiently. We don't learn how to communicate when we are angry with somebody. Um, we don't have lessons on how to resolve conflicts. Mm-hmm. We don't have lessons on how to deal with and cope with our frustration um, and that urge and impulse to give up or that urge and impulse to uh, distract ourselves with something that maybe isn't bringing us closer to our goal. Nobody mm-hmm. teaches us that stuff. Um now with with so many podcasts and with YouTube, uh, I feel like there's a lot more available to people. And, and I feel like as adults, we're kind of, we're self-teaching ourselves mm-hmm. these skills. Uh, but what behavioral health intervention counseling, what we aim to do is to, we first assess where the child is in those different skills, because the only way that a child can learn those skills is by seeing it modeled uh, and by practicing it over and over. And so we see where they are. So we might say, wow, their, um, their aggression management is excellent, right? They never, Mm -hmm. even when they get so angry, they're slamming doors, they're never punching anybody, right? Or they're never pulling the dog's tail. Um, So their aggression (laughs) management is excellent, but they, their frustration tolerance is where they really just need some more practice and opportunity. Um, And so we might see that where a child um, comes home from school, his parent says, you know, come, do your homework and they sit down to do their homework and three minutes in, they get to a a math question where they don't know the answer. And instead of um, opening up the book and reading that section and uh, working through it on paper, um, their frustration impulse is so overpowering and they don't have the practice with that skill to be able to implement strategies to be able to power through and, okay, the next thing is open up the book, right? <laughs> like read that right. section. If it doesn't make sense, read it again. Um, but nobody's taught them how to do that. And they haven't had the opportunities to practice and see it work. And so what behavioral health intervention counseling is, is just that opportunity. We just go in and we um, we model those skills. We might talk about different social stories or different other people who have been frustrated in different situations and what did they do and what were the outcomes of those actions. Um, we might talk about different coping skills and then we always practice them in real time, which I think is is one of the 
most important aspects of really counseling in general, but especially with children is, you know, if, if we're saving that reserved space to uh, to say what we need to say and think what we need to think, we need to ha- be able to do what we need to do within that reserved space of our week. And so it's a safe place for kids to practice that. Um, if we are used to uh, ignoring people when we're in a conflict with them, right? So if uh, if my pattern of behavior is that when my brother annoys me, I just pretend he does not exist and I just kind of like make comments to my mom about him <laughs> or mm-hmm. I talk to my other sister about what a pain in the butt he is, right? And I like slam kitchen doors, but I never talk to him about it because I don't have that skill then it's going to be very, very scary for me as a child or as an adult. Um, And it's going to feel very awkward to go up to my brother and say, I really do not like it when you move my things, right? That is going to feel so strange. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. we need support when we're practicing those. And so we need to practice them in low stakes environments. So role-playing that with my counselor, just saying the words out loud with my behavioral health counselor of, I did not like it when you moved my things, or I did not like it when you threw my hairbrush in the trash. Um, That is going to sound so strange and feel so weird to say, Uh, but the more times that we do it and we hear ourselves say it, the easier it's going to be to use those skills in the time when it matters, when we are in active conflict, conflict with uh, with a sibling or with a friend. Yeah, that's what behaviors is. Yeah, that's that's a lot, and that, I think that's a very a lot of things you said that were very good. But um, a big thing you said is a lot of the stuff isn't talked about, isn't really addressed. It's kind of those things like you mentioned that are self-learned, right? That you kind of learn the hard way, either through bad experiences and then, you know, over time you're like, all right, if I want to kind of get this done or if I want to, if, if I want this person to kind of react a little bit better or for me to react a little better, I kind of have to have that difficult conversation. But a lot of times, right, we see somebody that may react in a certain way, but it's not necessarily that they might be crazy, right? Whatever name you want to put on it or uh, bad tempered. A lot of times they just don't know how to communicate what they're feeling um, or how to really even start the conversation of saying, hey, I don't feel comfortable when you do this or whatever it may be. And, and I've had, um, in my experiences, very similar uh, situations, right? Especially when I have to have difficult conversations and I still have trouble with that. But a lot of times I come off... Um, arrogant or misunderstood and I apologize and say hey like I'm super nervous I don't really know like this is what I'm trying to say but I'm trying not to hurt your feelings all those things right we put a a negative connotation or a what's the word it's a stigma to that to just even saying those things right like we're supposed to know exactly what we're supposed to do at all times and like you mentioned uh practicing uh, learning uh, or should I say modeled or modeling and then practicing those situations or simulating, like you mentioned, uh, within your therapy sessions to be able to better um, react or be able to better communicate when that time comes. And a lot of times, you know, like I said, people have this frustration that don't really understand how even a uh, uh, how even brood. Right. I'm one of those people that for a lot of times I suffer from 
I didn't really realize what it was, but anxiety and depression, right? I would get down on myself. I really build up this giant ball of uh, or not in my stomach every time I had to have a serious conversation or, you know, when something difficult really brought up, uh, came to be, right? And you, you mentioned, uh, like I said, you mentioned a lot of things, like you mentioned uh, conflict resolution, frustration coping, all those things that I think are really important, especially at a young age uh, for, for kids and anyone really to, to, to learn that. So my other question regarding that is, do you involve parents or, or the support group or support circle uh, within that? Because I think a lot of times, uh, and I'm sure you do, I'm sure that's a dumb question, I guess, on my end. But um, I think it's also an important question because a lot of times someone within that uh, situation might feel like they're alone, right? They, they're trying to build this communication, um, but the support circle, support uh, team is not necessarily on the same page to help them along with that. So, um, yeah. So do you include the support group or support, sorry, support circle and, and parents in that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great question and it's such an important question. So with behavioral health intervention counseling, we do two hours per week for each child. So we do an hour of individual session and then we do an hour of family session as well. And um, what you said is so important that, you know, nobody is born with these skills. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, the only way or the best way to to learn them is to practice them, have success with them, uh, and mm-hmm. to see them modeled by other people. So I like to give the example of learning another language. Um, it's really difficult to learn another language in isolation. Um, it's much easier, and everybody can kind of relate to this, right? If you go to another country, and you're trying to learn the language and you're surrounded by people who are speaking the language, uh, then it's much easier to pick up that language and to become proficient in it. Uh, I'm I'm learning Korean right now, and I'm learning it by myself, uh, <laughs> watching YouTube videos of it. Yeah, much more difficult. Yeah. It's much more difficult. Um, whereas if you're, but if you're living in a family, for example, and your family speaks that language, it's much, much easier to pick up that language. And effective communication, assertive communication, conflict resolution communication, um, all of these different types of uh, skills and actions. It's the same as learning a language. And so that's why it is so important that the entire family be involved in those family sessions. Because uh, if my family, if my daughter and my husband, you know, were also speaking Korean, I would have so many more opportunities to practice that. Um, And I would also have just the support of hearing them, hearing them struggle through it, uh, Mm. and then, you know, supporting them and then having them support me when I struggle through as well. So uh, just like with learning a language, um, learning these different skills for success is, uh, is just really, really easier on the child um, when the entire family is supporting it. And we also do uh, talk through different systems as well. And so uh, behavioral health intervention counseling is actually in-home counseling, which is great for so many reasons. One, it takes away a lot of the barriers to children getting counseling, but it also 
allows for uh, for that child to learn the skill in their natural setting and environment. Um, so it's one thing to learn a skill at school or learn, you know, how to uh, how to effectively communicate with somebody when you're angry with them uh, in an office, right? It's one thing to do it there. It's a whole different thing when you say, okay, you've you've learned that skill. Go back home where your three brothers and sisters are screaming at each other and at you the whole time. And, you know, you're, you're, um, they're moving your stuff and they stole your backpack and, right. And so the, the great thing about that behavioral health intervention counseling is that it's in home. And so children are practicing that skill in exactly the environment where they're going to use that skill the most. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, I think it's something that needs to be practiced more. Um, and thankfully, we have practitioners just like yourself that are uh, making that easier and more accessible. Um, my next thing would be, uh, what are the most common challenges that you see within the mental health um, field, I guess, uh, with, with patients and clients that you work with? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest challenges to mental health, it, well, there's there's two I'll talk about. Uh, one is that there, um, there is still some some feelings of shame, some feelings of like embarrassment about going to counseling um, for some people. And at my agency, we are we're doing a lot of things to really try to overcome. Um, any of that stigma that is still out there about mental health counseling. Uh, one thing we're doing to actively take a stand against stigma of mental health counseling is that we are putting our office locations on the main streets of the towns and cities that we are located in. Yeah. So when we first started putting offices in different cities and locations, we would say to the realtor that was helping us find a space, we would say, well, we want to be close to where people are going to be. We want to be kind of close to the main area, but we want to be off on a side street, right? We don't really want to be visible. We want to be right. kind of like just off of main street. And, um, and I did a lot of reflecting on that that process and that kind of mindset. And I thought by by actively putting our agencies and our counseling services on kind of side streets, what kind of message are we sending? And are we bold enough and brave enough as an agency to do the things that we're asking our clients to do, which is to not hide the fact that we're taking care of our mental health care. Mm -hmm. And so we started putting our offices right on the main streets. Um, and our message with that action to our clients and to the towns that we are in is that we are mental health and behavioral health care facility. We are proud of what we're doing. We are doing services that are changing people's lives for the better. We are providing really great support and strategies for people to use to impact every aspect of their lives. And we're done hiding. Like we, we're not going to hide and our clients don't have to hide either. We want to have mental health care be just as commonplace as going to the dentist. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. we think about, oh, if I were talking to my grandpa, right, would I say, 
well, I'm, I'm going to my counseling session. Would I have any fear about that, right? Of judgment or, um, or backlash or, or anything like that. And, uh, but then I think about, well, if I said, Hey, I'm going to the dentist, (laughs) right? Would there be any of that fear. And there is a difference for a lot of people between making those two statements or having those two different conversations with somebody. And our mission, our agenda is to make it so that there's no difference between the two. We want it to be just as commonplace as going to the dentist. Your your dental hygiene and dental care impacts every part of your physical body. It impacts every part of your life. And so does your mental health care. Um, and so that's, that's one of the major challenges and that's one of the things that we are doing to overcome that. Uh, the other thing is that there are so many people that would benefit greatly from mental health counseling or behavioral health counseling, um, but don't do it <laughs> for an- so many reasons. There are so many reasons when I ask somebody, you know, have you thought about counseling? There are so many reasons why people don't do it. And so uh, one of the things that we've done to address that as well is we have started a podcast. It's called You Need a Counselor, and uh, it's hosted by myself and my coworker, Krista Brown. She is the vice president at Heart and Solutions. And we go on and we interview people who have had different experiences in counseling, uh, positive experiences, negative experiences, in between Mm -hmm. experiences. Uh, We interview different counselors and we ask them, why do people need a counselor? Why does everybody need a counselor? And also, what are the barriers and how do we overcome them? Uh, And so a few of the main ones uh, are financial um, time, so financial budget, time budget, energy mm-hmm. budget issues, right? Um, and then also having a bad experience um, can really impact somebody's ability to come back and benefit from counseling. So we really just challenge a lot of those um, those beliefs and those thoughts that get in the way of people attending and benefiting from either mental health or behavioral health counseling. That's awesome. And I, I can attest to that because I remember in college, uh, so as a student athlete, I played baseball. Um, we would have, I think it was like monthly or every other week, we would have, uh, I forgot what they would call it, but they would get all the athletes together and talk about all the new things they were doing. And um, they would have new staff. And at the very end or a couple of times, they'll bring in somebody, uh, like a new uh, staff member or whatever it is. And th- there happened to be that, that one that I was uh, – that I remember anyway, um, they said, hey, you know, the uh, counseling center, therapy, whatever is open uh, and it's free to student athletes. If you guys want to uh, come by anytime, come by. And that stuck with me because that time I was struggling hard. Not only was I away from home, um, you know, baseball wasn't really going well at all. Um, School, I mean, I was doing good. It's just a combination of everything. Um, And I was like, you know what? A little light bulb came into my head. I said, hmm. Okay, let me uh, let me check this thing out, and it felt super weird. It felt, I mean, I I don't know how to say this another way. It felt like I was gonna go buy drugs. It, mm-hmm. it felt like I was gonna do something really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I felt like I was like trying to hide, uh, like I was walk through 
the uh, the hallways of the school to get to on the other side of where where our apartment was, right next to the cafeteria. And as I'm walking, I'm like, man, I hope I hope nobody's looking at me. I hope nobody's watching. And is there going to be something that I know there? And what are they going to say? Um, I ended up going to the office. I get there. I say, hey, I'm here. I just kind of, you know, I'm a student athlete. I want to have a session. We had whatever, whatever. And they're okay, no problem. They waited. I got in. Uh, so that was the first experience. It felt like I was doing something really bad. Uh, but it's just obviously the 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 fear of what peers were going to say and what they were going to think, kind of like what you just alluded to. It's like the conversation of, hey, I'm going to go to the calf to eat or, hey, I'm going to go to the athletic training room to get treated. And the other one being, hey, I'm going to go see a counselor. Immediately, you're, you're going to be saying, oh, are you OK? Like, do you want to talk about something um, like you know, it's immediately an emergency situation. Um, but the cool part was that, and you said this earlier, right? The the hearing, the saying, me just being there and talking to this person uh, about what was going on, you know, on the field and my thoughts, you know, how I, you know, unmotivated and, you know, how I felt like everything was going sideways. And I would tell her, I was like, listen, you don't really have to say much. Just me being here and talking to you. Um, and knowing obviously that you're not going to just gonna spread this or, or uh, make judgment on me, just me saying this out loud is helping me. Um, yeah, so I can attest to that whole experience. One, getting or, or, or what's the word, uh, the, I guess the marketing aspect of it, or seeing that that was available to me, which is why we wanted to make sure that we have this uh type of episode and have a practitioner like yourself, Julie, on here is to tell people, hey, there is stuff that can help you. Um, but then me taking that plunge and going and understanding that some experiences like the one I had is actually a very common experience. Uh, and to attest to what you guys are doing, uh, what you guys are doing at Heart and Solutions, where you guys are making a point to be seen, right? Not to be behind the curtain um, or be behind, the, you know, in the back streets where someone can kind of like sneak in. Uh, or making a statement to say, hey, we are here to help and you shouldn't be ashamed by this. Uh, and then the other point being that how powerful it is to hear or to have somebody hear you, right, with no judgment and then obviously have plans or strategies or options for you uh, was, you know, very helpful for me. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of mention that because, yeah, everything you just said, I went through in a nutshell. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how funny is it that, you know, the difference between right now. So when we say to somebody, um, oh, I'm going to go see my counselor. And uh, and they, if they say, oh, do you want to talk about something? Mm-hmm. That would never happen with, with hardly any other um, appointment that we said we were about to do, right? So if, yeah. if I said to my friend, oh, I'm going to go get my teeth cleaned. They would never say, "Oh, do you want me to brush your teeth?" You know, or if I said, on in there. "Open your mouth." Yeah, exactly. If I said, "Oh, I'm gonna go," um, you know, I'm gonna go out to dinner, right? Would they say, "Oh, let me cook you a dinner"? Like, they they wouldn't do that um, because there's kind of this understanding with most um, most services, right, that these are specialized people who are trained to do a specialized service. Um, Mm -hmm. But with counseling, I think that it's just so, um, 
so misunderstood or sometimes just not understood at all. There's like this aura of mystery about it that with our podcast, we're really trying to pop that bubble and give people a firsthand look at what it is um, because it, you know, then people can kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, that is something more than just um, something that a friend can do lending an ear or lending a shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. Very important. And like I said, I, my experiences have, uh, again, it was scary, but really helpful. And I think for a lot of people have that very common aspect of it. But here we are, we're having this episode. And if you are listening, and you need help, listen, it's okay, reach out um, at any point, uh, we'll make sure to and we're actually going to talk about that right now, have Julie's uh, information that you should see at the bottom of the podcast here. So you can reach out whether to her, if you're in Iowa, or I'm sure she can help you, point you in the right direction, or maybe they have some other resources available. Uh, but with that being said, Julie, how can the audience uh, reach out to you if they have any questions or maybe even want to work with you and your team? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you are in Iowa, you can call us at 800-531-4236. Or you can visit our website at www.heartandsolutions.net. Um, or you can find us on Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash heart and solutions. Um, we post inspirational mental health stuff on Facebook uh every day, sometimes multiple times a day. So um, feel free to follow us or like us on there as well. Um, and we, if you are in the state of Iowa, we are currently offering in-office sessions and we are also offering telehealth sessions. So um, I'm currently doing all of my therapy sessions, my personal ones, over telehealth. Um, and so I get to do that while I am on the treadmill. I just have my uh, my you know Bluetooth on and yeah, and I just walk on the treadmill on three and I I talk to my therapist for two hours a week. So um, if that interests you at all, if you've ever been curious about therapy or counseling uh, and and want to do it on the phone just to try it out, feel free to give us a call or reach out to us at our website or on our Facebook page. Um, and then also the other thing about telehealth that everybody should know right now is that most insurance companies, if you usually would have a deductible or would have a copay for mental health counseling, right now, most of those insurance companies are waiving those. And so, um, typically my copay is $40 a session. Um, but right now it's completely free. So when I get my EOBs right now, it says patient responsibility and there's all these really nice zeros in that box. Um, so if you ever thought about it, but cost was a barrier to getting counseling, um, definitely now is the time to do it because the insurance companies are waiving those co-pays and those patient responsibilities due to COVID-19. Perfect. Cool. And all the information, uh, We'll make sure to have, you should see at the bottom of this, uh, of the show notes here on the podcast, and we'll have all the links, all that stuff, so you guys can just click away. Uh, so make sure you have your hands on the steering wheel just for safety. Um, now, for the rest of that, let's see what else we have. Uh, book recommendations. So one of the book re recommendations we're definitely going to give is to go ahead and look into reading uh, Julie's book, Breathing Through the Year, A Child's Guide to Holiday-Themed Breathing Techniques. I think that's an awesome way to get the kids uh, or anyone really interested in breathing. Uh, we understand very important how that is, and but not only 
uh, obviously to survive, but very important for just stress management and really regulating that uh, autonomic nervous system. So um, check that out. Any other books that you wanted to mention, um, Julie? Uh, yeah, Breathing Through the Year can be found at www.storiesfromtheheart.shop. So you can always find it there. It's also available on Amazon. Um, top three books that changed my life are uh, The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma, um, best book ever. Um, also, Getting Things Done by David Allen completely changed my life. Um, so check that out. And then also um, The Total Money Makeover by the one and only Dave Ramsey. Uh, amazing book, completely changed the trajectory of my life. Um, so those are my top three book recommendations. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we have two more parts real quick before we end the show. The last or the next part would be what we call speed round. Just a few questions just to get to know you, Julie, a little bit more uh, in a fun and interactive way. So basically, I have some questions here prepared. You have minimal time to answer. And yeah, are you ready? I am ready. All right. First question. What is your greatest fear? Uh, dying. <laughs> Dying. Dying before I have accomplished everything I want to. Fair. Fair enough. Top three things on your bucket list. Go. Um, run a marathon. Uh, Great Wall of China. Visit the Olympics as a spectator. So do, you, <laughs> do you want to run the Great Wall of China or just see it? Yes. So there's a marathon <laughs> on the Great oh. Wall of China. Um, so that's kind of a two for one. <laughs> There, okay. Yep. All and right. then also uh visit Korea. I just recently um just recently reconnected with my birth uh my biological mother and father. And oh, wow. so uh visiting Korea is definitely on the top of my bucket list as well. Wow, that is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> um one more question. Last movie you saw, whether on Netflix or well now in this situation, probably was a long time before you went to or last time you went to the theaters, but last movie you saw. Oh my gosh! I don't really watch movies. No, you're not um, a movie person. No, I mean technically the last movie I saw is like Go Diego Go because I have a four year old, <laughs> so that's Fair. probably the last movie I've I've seen. Um, and then before that, Wreck It Ralph breaks the internet. <laughs> hey, that's, that's, I understand. That's pretty telling of my life. <laughs> All right. Well, this last part of the show is where we give thanks uh, and very important part of our show. The first thank you goes to you, Julie. Uh, thank you very much for being a guest on our uh, show here and to just bring in the information and the knowledge and even the resources that you have available uh, for our audience. So thank you very much for taking the time. The yeah, second thank, thank you. you. Yeah, no problem. The second thank you goes to our listeners. Guys, uh, without you and girls, uh, without you, uh, really, this wouldn't necessarily, it would just be just two people talking and hoping somebody listens. But, uh, you know, we are very grateful for the opportunity to have this platform um, to share knowledge, share experiences, and to help you connect with other practitioners uh, and other people uh, that are looking to also impact the world as such as we are. Um, so thank you for that. And the last thank you goes to our clients, our patients, our students, and those who we get to work with on a daily basis. Um, and for you guys to see the value in what we do, uh, for those of us, uh, doing what we do, we really enjoy and, and love what we do. So, uh, to have people on the receiving end to, to really value that, um, and to be as excited as we are, um, is, is priceless. So thank you very much.
With that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.